Ahoy, Buck fans! Are ye looking for a different kind of podcast that centers on the yellow-bellied opponents? Well, you've come to the right place. Get ready for an enjoyable, in-depth look back at the important moments, historical facts, and games for the Buccaneers against this week's opposition. It's the No Quarter Given podcast on the BuckPower.com podcast network. Now, let's get started with your co-hosts, Jason Powers and Peter Blake. All right, welcome back to the week 10 version of the No Quarter Given podcast. Fresh off a of bye week, some beach time, some pool time, some whatever time these players like to do on their time off. We are back for another week where we are going to preview the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Washington football team, not the Redskins, but the football team. Want to welcome back in my co-host Peter Blake. How'd you enjoy your How'd you enjoy your bye week, Peter? I did absolutely nothing besides work overtime at my first job. I did no shows besides that, and I think uh, nobody would want to do a show after that uh, disappointing loss versus the Saints uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yep, we're, let's do a quick recap of the New Orleans game. Obviously, the Bucks head into the bye at six and two. They they start the bye week with a with a I won't say it's a bad loss, but it's a, a surprising loss in New Orleans. Jameis Winston goes down early in that game to a knee injury, which turns out to be a torn ACL at the hands of Devin White, who then got fined by the NFL. Um, it wasn't a terrible play, but it wasn't a great play either by Devin the way he tackled him. Unfortunate for Jameis. Trevor Simeon comes to the rescue in the Superdome and bails out the New Orleans Saints, plays okay. The, the story of the game, Peter, was the defense of New Orleans stymieing Tom Brady and company. Yeah, I mean, three turnovers, two interceptions. Of course, the last one at the end, you feel good about it. Uh, but it shouldn't get to that point, should it? I mean, honestly, you take the lead with a, a big-time play uh, to Grayson. You think you're in control at that point. Your defense has to make a stop. They're not able to make a stop. You give the ball back to the offense. And for some reason, Jason Powers, the Saints have Tom Brady's number. No, you're right. I mean, Dennis Allen has a has kind of a good, very good grasp of what the Buccaneers like to do on offense. And the other key point in that game was penalties and discipline. The yeah. Bucs committed several personal fouls, a couple of offside calls that were at critical moments. They, they give up a, a bunch of automatic first down type of fouls during the game, which enabled Trevor Simeon to not have to do a whole lot offensively because we were gifting them free yards. So, um, again, like last year before the bye, the Bucs had some discipline and penalty issues. Hopefully coming out of the bye, like last year, they've cleaned that up and more discipline and more focus heading into the, into the stretch run of the year. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I think the bye week is much needed. We'll see if this Bucks team can get healthy. You know, it looks like at this point when we're recording this podcast, excuse me, that Antonio Brown, Gronk are not going to play in the game, which is somewhat disappointing. The Bucks signed Brashard Perryman and Daniel Fells, so it doesn't. Carlton like Davis still out. Carlton yeah. Davis still out, but it looks like they're going to get Sherman and Murphy Bunning back in the secondary. So that'll be a big help as far as stabilizing. Because, because again, if you watch that Saints game in the last couple of weeks, people were going after Pierre Desir. They weren't going after Jamel Dean a whole lot, but they were really going after Pierre Desir, and he looked a little overmatched. It'll be nice to have 
Sherman and SMB back in the lineup. I agree, and I believe this team is only going to get better with the help, but they just have to get healthy at this point. And could you imagine if you have Gronk, you have Antonio Brown, and look, Gronk tried to play in this game. He only played five snaps. He's not fully healthy. You're not sure when he's going to be healthy right. because he has cracked ribs. He has now back spasms, which is a cause of the rib injury. And right. then on top of it, a puncture lung and then the foot injury. But I think the big story at this point is Chris Godwin didn't practice today, possibly with the foot injury. So we'll watch out for that situation. That could right. be something that's developing and not necessarily an advantage for the Bucs, but you know, with all their injuries still sitting here at six and two uh, ahead of the NFC South, not too bad. And remember, Buck fans, last year the Bucks went into the bye. I think it was week twelve or week thirteen, and haven't lost. They didn't lose. They didn't lose another game. They yep. ran the table. So hopefully, this is a veteran team. They understand that the urgency that there is. They got some help in the NFC last week because Green Bay lost. They had uh, Dallas lose, so they got a little help. There's still one game behind Arizona for the number one seed, but they got a little help with some other teams losing some games that they they probably didn't weren't weren't expected to lose, especially yeah. Dallas. Yeah, Dallas lost, uh, New Orleans lost, the Rams lost, so everything that could go in uh, the Bucks' right. favor went their way, and the Saints may lose this week because they played the Tennessee Titans, who, by the way, kind of shocked the world without Derrick Henry. They absolutely blew the doors off of the L.A. Rams in L.A. Who would have thought that? I didn't. I lost some money on that game. So thanks a lot, Rams, for showing up. Just saying. There you go. All right, let's get to let's get to Bucks washington rivalry. Yes. 11 to 10 in the in the favor of Washington over the years. In the regular season, the Bucks own a two and one mark in the postseason. Uh, we're going to and we'll hit those those couple playoff games, some memorable playoff games. But let's talk about this this series. First, before we get to the actual games, a couple names I want to throw out you that have some connections to both the Buccaneers and the and the and Washington franchise. Joe Gibbs and Jay Gruden. Mm. Joe Gibbs back in the 70s was an assistant coach for the Buccaneers, was the offensive coordinator at one time. The Bucs let him out, out of the building as an assistant. Obviously, he went on to great things with the with the run he had with the Redskins in the 80s and the 90s. He then came back for a second stint in the late 90s with the Redskins, now the football team. But um, Jay Gruden, obviously, with the relationship to John, he then became the head coach of, the, of, of Washington for, I think he was there five years, and then he got fired and let go. But uh, a couple interesting names that have got some connections to both franchises as head coaches. And the biggest connection there, I always think about Joe Gibbs and his work with Doug Williams and then – when the Bucs let him go, of course, for a contract dispute, he goes on to the USFL. The uh, Washington Redskins at the time have an injury. Doug Williams fills in. And, of course, he goes on to win the Super Bowl for his former offensive coordinator that the Bucs let out of the building. So just a another memory uh, down the memory <laughs> lane, if you will, nightmare on Elm Street Lane. Uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Joe Gibbs and Doug Williams. You're happy for Doug Williams, but oh yeah. Oh man, you didn't want to see uh you wanted to see Doug Williams do that with the Bucks. What could have been? What could have been, Jason? And, and and you can't, I mean, I, I you can't kill the Bucks for the Joe Gibbs deal because at the time John McKay was the coach. Gibbs wasn't gonna, I mean, G Gibbs obviously had other aspirations to be a head coach. And hey, obviously they weren't gonna fire John McKay at that time 
at that point in the franchise for to give Joe Gibbs the job. Um, so good for Joe Gibbs that he made a, you know, that, that he, that he had such a great career as a head coach in Washington um, and, you know, on two different occasions, but I can't kill the Buccaneers for letting Joe Gibbs out of the building. Just yeah. ironic. Yeah, I, it's ironic, but you could definitely kill him for letting Doug Williams out of the yes, absolutely, left no the doubt. Building. They had no chance, Jason, to make the playoffs at that point. In fact, it was the downward spiral of your Tampa Bay Buccaneers once Williams left the building. Well, and remember that was a that was a Hugh Culverhouse who was the owner at the time. He obviously had some he had some skeletons in his closet related to racism and that kind of thing. So that probably played a big role in that was obviously Doug Williams at the time was probably the most productive uh, black quarterback in the league. You know, the Bucks didn't want to pay Doug. Doug ended up going to the USFL, the Arizona Wranglers. And then he came back to the, to Washington a few when the, when the USFL folded um, because the Buccaneers refused to pay him when he had already, when he had proven by taking the Bucks to the playoffs numerous times that he was worthy of a pretty good contract as a quarterback. What was it like? Something like $250,000. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, something, you know, and again, Hugh Culverhouse to me was probably more of a, I think it was probably more of a sense that Hugh Culver, I mean that uh, Doug Williams was a black quarterback more so than, because if Doug Williams was a white quarterback, I bet Doug Williams gets the money in 19, was it 82, 83 when he left to go to the USFL? I bet he'd have got paid if he, if, if he was Doug Williams, the white quarterback. Yeah, just cheap. Uh, Culverhouse yep. is cheap, and uh, yeah, not a good thing. And of course, Culverhouse known for Bo Jackson too. Well, yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. All right, 1982, Tampa Stadium in a monsoon. I know I sure don't remember that. We lost to the Redskins 21-13. The game was marred by four fumbles by the Buccaneers, and ironically, it was the last game before the 1982 strike. Yeah. Uh. I don't remember it either. I don't know, but it sounds like Buccaneer football back then with all the fumbles. And again, <laughs> you know, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 1950s, 1920s, Jason Powers, if you turn over the ball, you have no chance to win. None. Correct. No, you are right about that. In that aspect. In fact, it's gotten uh, even more. There's been even more of an emphasis, if you will, on turning over the ball. And remember 1982, the weird, and here's another kind of interesting thing with, with Washington, a correlation. I think in both strike years, 82 and 87, the Washington football team won the Super Bowl both years, if I'm correct. And I think I'm right that they won the Super Bowl in 82 when there was a strike. In 1987, there was another strike, and Washington won the Super Bowl, and again, in 87. So I think I'm right on that. And then they won again in 90. I think yep. Was, uh, who the running back at the time was? Who John Riggins? John Riggins and it, yep, yep. You remember the famous run in the Super Bowl um, against the Dolphins, I believe. Yeah. And then '87, uh, you had I think that was that Mark Rippin. No, Rippin was might be '91. No, '87 was Doug Williams. '87 was Doug Williams. Yep. And then Mark and then, Rippin. They had a great team in '91 when they won the Super Bowl with Joe Gibbs as well. So 91 or 92 versus the bills. Yeah. One of those. Yeah. One of no, cause 91 was in Tampa was the giants in Buffalo. I remember that cause I actually worked that game as a vendor at Tampa stadium. I sold sodas at the 91 super bowl, the desert storm, Whitney Houston, super bowl. Oh. I was walking up and down Tampa stadium, slinging sodas 
to make a couple dollars as a high school senior. There you go, man. You're doing it. You're 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 living the dream right there. That's Why it, man. Slinging sodas, and now look at you. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're still slinging sodas. It, but let me tell you something, brother. When we had those one o'clock games, it was so damn hot in that stadium. Walking up and down those steps, man, carrying oh. two and three. I was literally carrying two and three racks of these in these metal racks of sodas. I mean, I was I was humping it, man. And not making that? a lot of money. Well, look, hey, I know how you feel because I was uh, uh, your our good buddy TJ Reeves was calling me the mule the other day because I was humping around all that equipment, <laughs> big, big laptop, big lights, all this other stuff. I I felt like it was gonna fall down. Of course, we went out to uh, the Fury Paul uh, press conference, which was amazing. But you know, parking. About 10 minutes away, it was still a little bit hot. I thought it was going to be uh, cooler. I had my suit on. I was you were, you were styling and profiling, brother, like the nature boy. Woo! I was about to be a nature boy, about to be on a, a nature hike at that point uh, from the parking garage to Emily Arena. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting, to say the least. So I know how you feel. I definitely know how you feel when it comes to you know, putting all that stuff on your back or having to carry yep. uh, large uh, quantities of things, uh, man, it just becomes uh, very. Hey, very nothing, fun. nothing like some good hard work, my brother. It'll all pay off for us. Oh, absolutely, it will. And uh, you get a workout in the process. You know, leg right. workout. You skip you, leg day. You, there you go. There you go. All right, 1994, the Bucks get their first W against the franchise, Mr. Eric Rett. Ran for 192 yards. Our man, he used to have the famous. Remember, look, look. He'd have to look at me. The famous Q dog, the yeah. famous Q dog from Florida Gator, signal after every time he scored a touchdown. Eric Grant was a very solid running back back in the day for the Buccaneer franchise, and uh, he was a heck of a little running back for the Bucks. He really was a heck of a running back. I remember this game, and of course, it was on the radio at the time. They were giving him the ball over and over again. I believe he also had Craig Erickson uh, in the controls as the uh, quarterback. And uh, yeah, I tell you right now, what could have been if Eric Rett doesn't have that holdout? Because, of course, he has the holdout. He's never the same running back. And then eventually it uh, it leads to the drafting of a work done. And of course, uh, Mike right. Yep. So, no doubt. No doubt. But everybody was comparing him when he was running for the bucks at the time. I remember this because, you know, as sports broadcasters, sports people, sports fans, we always do these comparisons and they could be, you know, somewhat asinine. They were comparing him the next Emmett Smith, what he was doing because he was out of Florida. He was right. Type of, of course he wasn't Emmett Smith, but for the bucks, uh, during those couple years, man. he was durable. He was, he was durable. They gave him yeah. the ball a lot. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I like the pick too, even though yeah. I'm not a, a Florida fan, I know how productive he was with the Gators. So I didn't have any complaints on that pick at all. No okay. doubt. Interesting quirk in the schedule that year in 94, they actually played Washington twice, two weeks later, and the bucks won again up in DC 17, 14. So, you know, that was kind of the middle of the Sam Weish era. The Bucks thought they were getting some things going with Sam. The Redskins were the Redskins were kind of up and down with Joe Gibbs still. I think I'm not sure if Gibbs had left yet because I know Gibbs left in the early 90s, maybe a year or so after that Super Bowl. He might have been gone at that point, but the Bucks go up there and win 17-14 again in 1994. 
Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And uh, what a weird time. I mean, a weird quirk in the schedule. You have to play the, the Redskins twice. I mean, right. Uh, it's, it's crazy. Uh, I never thought about that. But yeah, at that point and never think about it, honestly. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I have no idea what caused Why? all that. But yeah, because they weren't in our division. It wasn't a division issue. But who knows? I, I don't know. But I know I remember Gibbs coming back the second time. And I believe that is the uh, I'm trying to think, I believe it was the opening game of Gibbs's uh, when he came back. The box were the opening opponent. We'll get back. We'll get to that and probably a little bit. Yep. 2003 year two of John Gruden, Brad Johnson and Brad Johnson in control. They roll, they go up on and they thump Washington 35, 13, four touchdowns for Brad Johnson, Derek Brooks with a pick six. You know, this was kind of the heyday of the Buccaneers, the defending Super Bowl champions at the time. Washington was kind of down. I think that was kind of the Heath Schuler. That no, he, he might not have been in that, but the Washington was really going up, was kind of was not doing well as a franchise at that time. The Bucks go up and take care of business 35-13. But you kind of skip one, a really important one in the postseason. Yep. This is the January 2000, of course, the 99 year when the Bucks eventually go to the NFC championship. Yep. Washington gets up 13 to nothing. And there's and Sean King is starting at that point, And you're kind of wondering what's going to happen. John Lynch makes a key interception to give the Bucks back that momentum. They go down, score a touchdown, uh, and then they eventually take the lead. Who's the uh, guy on the last play of the game that has the ball? For the Washington football team, Washington Redskins. Wasn't that a botched field goal? And it was. And who was the guy that was the holder at that point? Matt Turk. Nope. Brad Johnson. Wow. Brad Johnson was the holder at that point. And, of course, I believe Sap with the sack to end the game. And I'll tell you right now, there were a lot of people who thought that Washington could go in there, uh, beat this team. Yep. Uh, and of course, when the Bucks got down again, they weren't an offensive juggernaut. We saw that the very next week versus the Rams. But once again, it came back to a total team effort, of course, led by that defense, making big time plays in that game. To get and, and remember the Buccaneers, I think Mike Shula was probably all, I think Mike Shula might have been the offensive coordinator at the time still. So, you know, we had the very vanilla offense. Dungy was a proponent of conservative offense. So that was the Buccaneers kind of game, a 14 to 13 kind of defensive battle. Yeah. Um, you know, the same thing, the same thing in 2005, another defensive battle. You know, the Bucs lose in 2005, 17 10. Um, you know, we held the Buccaneers, we held Washington to 120 yards of offense yeah. and 41 yards passing, and we lose the game. Yeah. And it says former Buck Dan Turk sent down a terrible snap and the kick never got away. That was in 2000. So, but yeah. I, have a, I, I, I just, remember. I was thinking Matt Turk, Matt Turk was his brother yeah. who was a punter for a long time in the NFL yes. for many years, but you're right. Dan Turk. And I think Dan Turk used to play for the Buccaneers before he, he went to Washington. He did. You're exactly, you're absolutely right. And you just, you, you never, you know, you're watching that game. And you're thinking, oh, no, they got the ball back. They're going to make a play here. It's going to be disastrous. And then, of course, the defense and, and Warren Sapp closes the deal. And you're like, on to the Rams. But, man, they survived that. That was, uh, that was, that was a tough game. Let's that go to 2015. Remember, this is the famous Kirk Cousins. Do you like that game? The Bucs were up. 
the Bucks were up huge, 24-0, second quarter. They, they, Washington comes all the way back to win the game late in the fourth quarter behind Kirk Cousins. The interesting thing about this, remember, everybody thought that Robert Griffin III was going to be the answer in Washington. They drafted him third overall. They traded up for him. Kirk Cousins, under Shanahan, was a fourth-round draft pick in the same year that they picked Robert Griffin III. So Cousins comes in in 2015. Griffin had to have been injured at the time. I think that was the year he blew his knee out in the playoff game in the previous year, I believe, was the the situation why Cousins was playing. But the do you like that game, and that that turned Kirk Cousins into a gazillionaire because, remember, the Washington franchise tagged him twice, never gave him a long-term deal. Then he eventually signs, and he's still currently with the Minnesota Vikings. So – Kirk Cousins was the do you like that game scenario. Oh, yeah. And the 24-point deficit, Mike Evans, Jameis Winston. Evans is beasting in this game. You're starting to think as a Bucs fan, man, this is the culmination of something. And that defense was downright dreadful yep. in that game. And you'll never forget it. You'll never forget that game. And, of course, Kirk Cousins at the end of it. You like that? You like that? No, I didn't like it at all. And, of course, the Bucks go on to lose because that defense just couldn't get it done. And it goes back to Lovey Smith. He yep. was hired as a defensive coordinator. Right. Uh, and it was um, it was offensive. And that, remember, that was probably the beginning of the end of Lovey. I, I don't remember what week that game was in, what week. But when you blow a 24 nothing lead, and they end up, I think they end up going 2-14 and 14 that year. Mm-mm, no, not that year. You're thinking of the first year with Lovey. Okay. Uh, they went, what, 6-10 and 10 in year, year yeah. two with Lovey? And they're actually six and six before they lose Quan Alexander to a four game suspension. Cause right. I remember uh, stupidly on my part, I thought the Bucks could be a playoff team with Jameis Winston. And of course they go six and 10, but it was uh, Sunday, October 25th. I'll never forget. So mid mid year is probably week seven, week eight type deal. Yep. Uh, but yeah, that was a uh, yeah, terrible loss for the Buccaneers. Uh, definitely a contributing factor of why Lovey Smith. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, let's let's hit the last game. Obviously, last year was the was the last playoff game. The Bucks go to Washington in the in the uh, wild card round. Tom Brady against Taylor Heineke. Um, you know, give Heineke credit; he actually played pretty well in that game. The Bucks ended up. I don't think the game was ever severely in doubt that who was going to win the game. I know the game point wise was close at some times, but the Bucks win the game 31-23. Um, you know, and obviously they head to the next week. They then head to New Orleans for their for their famous, obviously the New Orleans game and then the Green Bay game. So your 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 thoughts of when you saw Taylor Heineke versus Tom Brady last year, wild card weekend in Washington. Well, you think they're going to blow them out, and then of course, once again, the Washington football team makes it close. But the story of the game coming into it was Chase Young says, "I want Tom Brady," and then you remember that offensive line completely shutting him down along with that potent defense, and it was Rob Gronkowski. You remember him playing him on the left side to help out Donovan Smith. Right. So you were concerned going into that game, but you just knew Tom Brady and that Bucks game plan, they would have something in store, and they did, and it, it kind of made me laugh because that whole big-time story that week was Chase Young, I want Tom Brady, I want Tom yep. Brady. Ohio State versus Michigan, and, of course, Tom Brady has the last lap. And that was also the emergence of Leonard Fournette in that game uh, because uh, the victim <laughs> of volume and the Ronald Jones had an injury. 
So Leonard Fournette stepped up. Uh, it rushed for 93 yards and and had a couple catches. So he and remember and remember the reason we were on the road. We had a better record than Washington last year, but the Washington won the NFC least last year. I think they were seven and nine. Was it a seven and nine home team winning the division yep. home game yep. situation? Correct. So yeah. And and Fournette, uh, he had over 100 yards from scrimmage in that yep. game. So. And then Sean Murphy Bunting with another interception. You know, a lot of people are not big Sean Murphy Bunting fans, but he had an interception in that game, had an interception, of course, uh, in the uh, Green, uh, not Green Bay, New Orleans game, which was huge. So uh, the emergence of not only uh, Leonard Fournette, but that defense, especially that back end, you really liked what you saw. And even though Heineke threw for 300 yards, they made some plays in that game. They absolutely did. All right, let's get to the let's get to the game Sunday up in Washington. Again, a rematch: Tom Brady against Taylor Heineke. Heineke's you know he's he's got the job. Fitzpatrick we thought was going to be the quarterback, but he got injured in Week One. Who knows if he's coming back at all this year? Hip injury, but Heineke and Brady again. You know the the part of the both teams coming off a bye, so they're both going to be well rested. The key to this game, obviously, is protecting Brady with the. You know, the biggest disappointment, I think one of the biggest units, disappointment, disappointing units in the league this year has been the Washington defense. Yeah, no, the Washington defense is absolutely taking a step back, especially that back end, which is one of the worst in the league. I feel like Tom Brady with that bye week, that rest, getting some players back. You hope that you can get back Gronk. You hope that you can get back on Antonio Brown. With, with all that being said, with the offensive weapons, Brady should feast. And you're exactly right. It goes back on the onus of protecting Brady, keeping him upright versus uh, that defense, of course, with Chase Young. No, you're dead. No, they got a handful of number one picks. They got Jonathan Allen, Chase Young, uh, Montez Sweat, which I think Montez Sweat may be injured. I'll have to check that. You're right. Um, I don't think he's going to play in this game. He is injured. And then, of course, uh, you also have uh, Deron Payne in the middle. Those right, guys, right. This is out of Alabama. The Alabama boys coming after the Michigan guy, man, the okay. Michigan man. So uh, tell me what you see. I mean, again, and I think the Buccaneer defense, this is where you want to see the Buccaneer defense. The, the back end's much healthier. I want to see some discipline out of Devin White and Levante David. Let's stop making these stupid penalties, The, the you know, Play your role, like Todd Bowles likes to say. Play the play your role in the defense. Don't try to play two guys' role. Play your role. Yeah, I want to see some ugly football. I mean, I don't care if they win by 10, 15, but, you know, if it's a close game, you're running the ball, you're having balance, you're not turning over the ball, you're cleaning up with the penalty situation, you know, not only the late hits, but also before the whistle, false starts, offsides, stupid penalties. It's time to clean it up, Tampa Bay. When you had that bye week, I think they're going to get it figured out and they could win this game once again by 10 or 15 points. Even though it's on the road, we'll see what happens. But this Washington football team has been highly disappointing. It's not to say they don't have some weapons that you should worry about. Antonio Gibson at the running back situation, uh, J.D. McKissick, and, of course, Terry McLaren. So they McLaren's the the guy you got to keep your eye on. He's a big-time receiver. So you have to make sure you got to you got to pay attention to him, obviously. And again, who knows what we're not sure what the weather's going to be like, but if the weather's decent, I think you'll see the Bucks really come out throwing the ball, to try to go after that secondary and those linebackers. And again, don't be surprised if you see a little bit more of Giovanni Bernard his second half of the year, because again, I think he's going to be a weapon as we move towards the playoffs 
with his play with his ball catching ability out of the backfield. Yeah, and I go back to the last year. You know what the big time story was? If Mike Evans was going to play in that game, Mike Evans played in that game. He was awesome. The big story this week is Antonio Brown going to play. He's not. And is Chris Godwin going to play? Right. And, and there was and there was speculation in Tampa. Would the Bucks be interested in Odell Beckham Jr.? I don't think that'd be a good fit because he'd be at best the third or fourth option in Tampa. Um, you got Antonio Brown. You just don't have enough room. Scotty Miller's coming back this week, allegedly. You got Tyler Johnson. Just no, there's not enough room for OBJ here in Tampa. So, um, you know. But if you have injuries, I mean, if you have Brown out, and it could be a long-term injury, you have Godwin out. You know, Tyler Johnson, Mike Evans, nice, OBJ, but you're exactly right. You know, what's going to be the cause and effect for the locker room? I have no problems with that because I know Tom Brady has controlled that locker room. Sure. The same thing with Antonio Brown. The problem with OBJ is as talented as he is, he's inconsistent and he can't stay healthy. I'll be curious to see who he joins. I think it could be the Kansas City Chiefs, honestly. There's there's talk of a couple teams, Kansas City, New Orleans, New England, and maybe Seattle. Uh, those are the kind of the four kind of front runners for him. I think he's going to go to either New Orleans or New England. Obviously, he has the ties in New Orleans. They really – both those teams really need a number one receiver. They don't have a receiver that's worth a flip in both those spots. I think those are the two favorites, to be honest with you. Wings on Kansas City and uh... – Green Bay could offer him the veterans minimum. I mean, to me, that situation, I get it in Green Bay. You, got, you still got Aaron Rodgers, uh, even with all the, uh, yep. the protocols being violated by Rodgers. Yeah. Uh, but with all that being said, uh, Green Bay and Kansas City, to me, are the two situations that are a lot better, especially Kansas City. I mean, you think about it, you go to uh, a team that has Patrick Mahomes, you have Tyreek Hill, you have Travis Kelsey. You know, New England, rookie quarterback, eh, I don't see that. Uh, Seattle, Russell Wilson is coming back this week, so maybe that's a possibility. But he's the third guy there, Jason. Powers. That's the point. He he wants to be the number one or two guy. That's why I think New England and New Orleans is the favorite because he would come in and be the one or two guy there. And, and he he's playing for a contract next year. He has the opportunity to do that in Kansas City because you have Tyreek Hill on one side, and who do you have on the other, Pringle? No, but you got Kelsey. Who's the, you know, tight end. Yep. But All right. Uh, okay. Score, score prediction time, Peter Blake. Give me a score. All right. I'll go bucks. Uh, 38 to uh, 20. I think the similar, I think you're going to be in that ballpark. I think it's going to be a mid thirties game for the Buccaneers. And you'll probably, again, the, the, the Washington will probably get to 20. They may score a garbage touchdown late to get to 24, 26, but I think the bucks win by double digits comfortably coming out of the bye week. Tell the fans where we're going to be. Are we going to be Sunday at Duckies again? Yeah, we'll be at Duckies Sports Lounge, 1719 West Kennedy Boulevard in Tampa. We'll get you ready about 11, 1130, because the game is at 1 o'clock, so no primetime games. That means we don't have to be there all day long. Right. Mules and carrying around equipment. So we'll be live on NSPN, and, of course, I love St. Pete on Facebook, and, of course, subscribe. Uh, to the sports web on YouTube. And do three things for me, Jason Powers. You know what they are. Bring your passion. Bring your excitement. Just don't bring any nonsense. I'm your host, Peter Blake, giving you something to think about. That's right. And remember, remember, fans, tell your forward these forward our podcast to your friends. 
This is all things uh, Bucks. Remember, buckpower.com is the is your place to go for all things historical related to the Buccaneers. Paul Stewart, are the, the, the founder of buckpower.com, he's going to be in Tampa in a couple weeks for the yeah. Monday night game with the Giants. So I know, Peter, us three are going to try to hook up with – we're going to try to all hook up with Paul and have a dinner or lunch or something when he's in town. So it's going to be great to meet – it's going to be great to meet Paul Stewart in person and uh, go to buckpower.com because we are a part of the buckpower.com podcast network. Obviously you can check out my podcast powers on sports podcast, subscribe, rate and review. I post our interviews on my YouTube channel, the powers on sports YouTube channel. These are interactions on this podcast are posted there as well. So if you want to see Peter and I, in person, go to the go to the YouTube page. You can you can watch us talk back and forth in these same interviews, brother. Nobody wants to see us at all. Nobody. Yes, they do, man. The fans want to see us. Damn it! They want it. Yeah, they definitely want to see us. And with all the big money we're making, uh, we could definitely afford to buy Paul some wings. That's that's right, sure. man. Yeah, it's gonna be great to see Paul. And again, he's coming over for for like seven or ten days. He's going to enjoy the Bucks game, and we're definitely going to hook up with Paul. Buckpower.com. We're part of the podcast network. I'm Jason. That's Peter. This is the No Quarter Given Podcast. And one more thing. Let's say let's go Bucks. Let's get to 7-2 and two here, Blake. Yes, let's go Bucks. We will see you next week for the next week's episode of the No Quarter Given Podcast. We'll see you next week, and let's go Bucks. Join us again soon for another preview of a scallywag buccaneer foe when we come back with another No Quarter Given podcast. And make sure for the best in historical buck coverage, you go to buckpower.com. And as always, keep listening to the buckpower.com podcast network.